You're listening to an event from the U.S. Institute of Peace, part of the USIP Podcast Network. For more information about our work around the world, visit usip.org and check us out on social media. Buenos tardes. My, num- my name is Keith Mines, the director for Latin America for the U.S. Institute of Peace. For those of you New to the Institute, we are a public national institution dedicated to the proposition that peace is possible and it's securable uh, if we do the hard work uh, to anchor a peace in uh, settlements that will last after the peace has been set. We have a very unique event today that we're very excited about. I know we'll long remember it and we're very happy to co-host this event with the Atlantic Council, the Washington Office on Latin America, and the Universidad Nacional. When we talk about conflicts like those in Colombia, we we often reduce them to numbers, the numbers of hundreds and even thousands killed, the numbers of displaced, numbers of villages impacted. We have today two guests, Jesus Abad Colorado and Maria Belen, that have been defying that tendency to go with just statistics in this conflict in Colombia that has gone on for so many decades. They have been dedicated to giving a voice and a face to those that have been impacted or killed in the conflict. So we're here today to showcase uh, their, their work, a uh, four-part book, El Testigo, The Witness, a brilliant piece of work that, uh, that I think we'll all be impacted by as we are able to, to, uh, to, to get a copy. Um, it's a reference point for this journey to find truth uh, for victims and to seek justice and rebuild Colombian society. It comes on the heels of a number of very important events. We hosted the Truth Commission here at USIP as it did an international rollout of its report a few months ago. The Special Jurisdiction for Peace continues to do its work to find uh, hope for victims or hope for victims' families and find peace in the future. And there are renewed discussions now about peace negotiations with the ELN in the context of the total peace policy of the new administration. These books are a beautiful testament to Chucho's photography and journalism and Maria Belen's shaping and editing of the material, a remarkable partnership. And I'd like to now turn it over to Camila Hernandez, the Associate Director of the Adrian Arts Latin America Center of the Atlantic Council to introduce our event. Thank you. Thank you, Keith. Um, para los que no conocen el Atlantic Council, somos un centro de, persa- de pensamiento aquí en Washington y yo dirijo todos los temas para Colombia. Es un honor para mí estar aquí y eh, darle la bienvenida a nuestros speakers. Gracias al Instituto de Paz de los Estados Unidos, a WOLA y a la Universidad Nacional. Eh, hoy tenemos una conversación muy especial con eh, Jesús Abad Colorado, también conocido como Chucho y María Belén Sáenz de Ibarra. Chucho es un reconocido fotógrafo colombiano que ha pasado los últimos 30 años de, documentando el conflicto armado eh, y retratando a las miles de víctimas eh, por todo el territorio de, del país. Su, tra- su trabajo fotográfico ha sido galardonado a nivel nacional e internacional. Eh, recibió el premio Simón Bolívar en tres ocasiones el reconocimiento de la excelencia Premio Gao en el 2019 y el Premio Nacional de Fotografía en el 2018, otorgado por el Ministerio de Cultura de Colombia. 
Eh, Chucho fue también eh, investigador del Grupo de Memoria Histórica de la Comisión Nacional eh, de Reparación y Reconciliación en Colombia y trabajó para el periódico El Colombiano. María Belén es abogada, curadora y gestora cultural. Está a cargo de la Dirección de Patrimonio Cultural de la Universidad Nacional, eh, la cual dirige el Museo de Arte Contemporáneo en Bogotá, el Auditorio de León de Grieff y el Claustro de San Agustín. María Belén ha sido profesora de la Universidad Javeriana, de la Universidad de los Andes y eh, estuvo a cargo de la Oficina de Artes Visuales del Ministerio de Cultura en Colombia y fue asesora de la Dirección de Patrimonio del Despacho del Viceministro de Cultura. Chucho, María Belén y María Belén unieron esfuerzos para contar la historia de miles de colombianos eh, y producen este libro en cuatro partes, El Testigo, del cual hablaremos hoy. Chucho, María Belén, muchas gracias por acompañarnos y por su compromiso con la paz, la justicia y la reconciliación en Colombia. Es para mí un honor poner, ayudar a visibilizar estas historias y poner nuestro granito de arena desde Washington. El testigo es el resultado de muchos años de trabajo que busca la no repetición, la memoria como proyecto de futuro y demuestra la multiculturalidad, la, la cantidad de etnias y la resiliencia que hay en Colombia. Con esto, eh, le paso la palabra a María Antonia del Instituto para la Paz de los Estados Unidos y muchas gracias por acompañarnos hoy. Gracias, Camila, eh, y buenas tardes a todos y todas. Mi nombre es María Antonia Montes, soy oficial de programas aquí en el Instituto de Paz, en el programa de América Latina. Es un gran honor tener estos panelistas acá con nosotros. Bienvenidos a, a esta casa acá. Y en nombre de todo el equipo acá en Washington y desde nuestra oficina en Bogotá, muchas gracias por estar acá con nosotros. Como todos ya han dicho, hoy estamos aquí precisamente para el lanzamiento de, de este volumen de fotografías, un acumulado de más de 30 años de trabajo de Chucho y curado por María Belén. Y hoy vamos a entender un poco qué les llevó a generar este proyecto y todas esas historias y testimonios de personas víctimas en el marco del conflicto armado colombiano. Eh, un recorderis que tenemos una transmisión en vivo, tenemos interpretación simultánea y si nos quieren seguir por Twitter, estamos con el hashtag El Testigo. Entonces, pues primero quisiera arrancar con María Belén y, y pensar un poco en la coyuntura de, del país. Hace cinco años se firmó el acuerdo de paz con las FARC, también hace poquito salió la, el informe final de la Comisión de Verdad. Hay un nuevo gobierno. Entonces, cuéntanos un poquito por qué se decidió empezar este proyecto, eh, por qué este era este momento tan importante en país. Gracias, María Antonia. Hola, Chucho. Bueno, un saludo a todos. Estamos hoy aquí muy honrados de estar en el Instituto de Paz. Gracias, María Antonia. Eh, el director que nos acompaña, toda la gente, eh, Carlos Lauria, por eh, organizar esta gira, eh, que hemos decidido venir aquí a Estados Unidos precisamente porque pensamos que en la coyuntura que estamos viviendo, de la que vamos a hablar ahora en un segundo, requiere que entendamos que nuestro conflicto no es local, ¿no? ni corresponde a una cultura violenta, ni ese tipo de, de explicaciones que a veces están ya como en el sentido común de que en América Latina somos violentos o eh, que tenemos un problema de narcotráfico. 
tenemos problemas sociales eh, y también estamos sometidos a, a un régimen de opresión eh, que deviene pues de la colonialidad del poder que está más viva que nunca ¿no? en realidad la colonia no es tampoco eh, una institución que se ejerce desde lo formal también hay formas de reproducirlas que son psíquicas eh, y por supuesto económicas eh, se ejercen desde lo corporativo también y eh, estableciendo intereses claramente eh, devenidos de una explotación masiva de recursos sin control, de recursos muy escasos y que se está dando una presión muy fuerte en toda la franja intertropical del planeta ¿no? que estamos, nuestra historia eh, está incluso más atrás de la que puede estar en África ahorita hablaba con Carlos Lauria sobre eso si uno ve el Congo ¿no? eh, puede aproximarse a lo que puede llegar a ser Colombia si no tomamos decisiones ¿no? entonces es una depredación de recursos, eh, muy paradójicamente en medio de una crisis ambiental radical que le afecta a todo el globo y por eso estamos aquí eh, y en el Instituto de Paz que trabaja mundialmente por la paz y comprende que eh, estas coyunturas eh, de la colonialidad del poder hay que trabajarlas eh, desde el norte, ¿no? eh, aquí donde existen esa, esa, esa creencia que hay derechos humanos eh, también debe ser llevada al sur en donde hemos expulsado del proyecto humano a una cantidad de población gigantesca ¿no? que está retratada aquí en estos libros es realmente una operación de apartheid gigante ¿no? de segregación de eh, eh, personas que consideramos eh, o que están intentando considerar de una manera errónea eh, y por supuesto totalmente reprochable, superflua, una población que no necesitamos mirar y que eh, no afecta nuestras vidas. En realidad son personas que viven en la periferia de la vida, que vemos en imágenes que a veces lo único que tienen de recuerdo de sus familias luego de un, de un proceso de desaparición forzada es una foto de una cédula ¿no? como, como vemos en el libro 2 eh, no hay tinieblas que la luz no venza es así de precaria es, esa existencia ¿no? entonces eh, lo que venimos a traer acá es las víctimas nuevamente en el centro de la conversación luego de un proceso de paz eh, un año después de eso eh, estábamos tratando de sacar adelante una implementación que se veía en peligro por un, un grupo político que se conoce en Colombia como el Centro Democrático, que estaba a punto de acceder al poder o, o acababa de, de acceder al poder más bien nuevamente después de casi 25 años eh, eh, controlando las, eh, las ideas políticas y el ejercicio de la fuerza en Colombia ¿no? con, un, con una aplicación bélica eh, del conflicto que es un conflicto social ¿no? eh, que atraviesa mucho más allá de lo que puede ser el problema de narcotráfico que vimos en toda América Latina Chucho me llamó y me, me dijo que un poco con esa gran frustración que teníamos todos después de que nos habían mostrado la paz y ahora parecía que nos la querían quitar <risa> eh, entonces 
hicimos una exposición en el claustro de San Agustín de más de 600 imágenes que la hicimos muy rápido, miramos una cantidad impresionante de imágenes, eh, miles y miles y miles de imágenes eh, en donde traté de apoyar a Jesús en la elaboración de una narración muy precisa eh, que le diera cuenta a la gente de qué es estar allí en, en, en esos lugares en donde ocurre la guerra permanente por décadas, eh, generación tras generación, eh, de noche y de día, sin parar. Y entonces son como relaciones, constelaciones, llamé, a esos acontecimientos detallados de la vida de las personas, en donde se puede ver los ojos de la gente, sus lágrimas, ¿no? sus gestos, su, su caminar, el peso, el peso de la vida sobre sus hombros ¿no? eh, y la ausencia de sus seres queridos en el día a día, eh, cómo huyen, eh, cómo recogen la cosecha eh, en medio de las armas eh, o cómo no la pueden recoger en medio de las armas más bien y cómo buscan a sus seres queridos con sus propias manos cómo tratan de volver a sembrar la tierra donde han enterrado a sus muertos, como dicen los testimonios de Jesús. Y, por supuesto, cómo hacen que la vida continúe, cómo comparten sus alimentos, sus ritos de memoria que les permiten seguir viviendo. Y, sobre todo, cómo nos muestran el camino a no optar por la venganza. Eh, son personas que eh, tratan de mostrarnos esa, esa senda hacia la tranquilidad porque lo que quieren es estar en paz. Y también es muy impresionante ver que siempre están los niños tan vulnerables, ¿no? eh, mujeres ancianas, mujeres solas, los hombres, niños y niñas, por supuesto, los hombres adultos están en el combate, bien sea en la guerrilla, bien sea en los grupos de autodefensas, bien sea en el ejército, eh, y son las mismas madres, y son todos hermanos. Pero ellos no combaten un proyecto para sí mismos, están obedeciendo unas personas que están detrás de la escena, ¿no? eh, detrás de la, en la tramoya. Entonces, que finalmente es un sistema, como decía yo, donde hay unos intereses sobre la explotación económica de una tierra que es demasiado rica. Y por eso estas personas aquí son sometidas a todos estos peligros para poder ser expulsados de un territorio que es mucho más apetecido que la dignidad de sus vidas y por eso se los echa y a donde llegan son inconvenientes, estorban si huyen a la ciudad allí también son mal recibidos y también reciben violencia y si retornan también vuelven a ser mal recibidos y son personas que han podido vivir 10 desplazamientos o más en unos pocos años entonces eso es lo que muestran estos libros y queremos ponerlo en la discusión porque 
Eh, la tranquilidad de estas personas no puede ser medida como una estrategia política. Tenemos que empezar a hacer acuerdos inmediatos y rápidos, en donde el auxilio a una emergencia humanitaria desatendida e ignorada eh, debe ser el centro de la discusión. Y también debe ser el centro de una política internacional para relacionarse con estos países como los nuestros, eh, aceptando en una sociedad en este momento, gracias a la Justicia Especial para la Paz, la Comisión de la Verdad y una serie de acontecimientos que ha obligado a la sociedad colombiana a romper ese vicio de orquestar el silencio, la negación, el acomodarse, el sacar provecho, el insertarse en un sistema eh, mafioso, no en el sentido eh, necesariamente de narcotráfico, sino mafioso en el sentido de guetos, de, de intereses cerrados, oscuros y ocultos, eh, de, de una corrupción galopante. En este momento estamos listos para hablar de eso y este libro viene a contribuir a hablar de eso, pero hablar de eso desde los más vulnerables y los que están sufriendo. Gracias, María Belén. Eh, hablaste del claustro en San, San Agustín, que es como la exhibición permanente de las fotografías de Chucho. También está el documental en Netflix con el mismo nombre, El Testigo. Y ya has hablado un poquito sobre esto, pero ¿cómo fue ese proceso entre ustedes en la selección de las fotos? ¿Cómo eh, fue la edición de cada eh, libro? Eh, ¿Y cómo fue ese proceso con ustedes? Porque me imagino que fue bastante difícil. Sí, muy... Yo creo que es un proceso muy espiritual. Eh, aquí estamos en la necesidad también de recuperar valores, de entender lo sagrado que es la vida. ¿no? Hemos perdido el total, la total evaluación de lo que realmente vale. Y estas vidas son muy valiosas. Cada una es irrepetible y es imprescindible. Así como lo es la naturaleza que es donde estas personas tienen que sacar adelante sus vidas, las aguas, eh, los bosques, las selvas. Y este proceso de vernos en los ojos de todas estas personas que Jesús Abad lleva visitando 30 años, volviendo a estas comunidades, es un proceso que lo conmueve a uno en las fibras de una comprensión queda mucho más allá de la información, queda mucho más allá del historicismo y es realmente comprender como en un instante que es eh, contacto con lo sagrado, eh, saber el valor que tienen esas vidas y que eh, pase lo que pase tenemos que comprometernos con una eh, transformación hacia que se haga una justicia sin aniquilarnos, sin armas porque después de ver esas armas ahí fundidas en el contramonumento de Doris Salcedo uno sabe que se puede y a partir de ese proceso de las FARC estamos construyendo una nueva sociedad ese es un proceso que hay que acabar de implementar no necesitamos firmar más la obligación del Estado es llegar con una inclusión a un proyecto económico, con compartir recursos escasos y, por supuesto, eh, 
conllevar más, mucho más que, que seguridad armada a los territorios. Vemos en esas imágenes de, esos, de esas personas desplazadas. Una vez yo estaba con, en una visita de niños que van mucho al claustro de San Agustín. Una niña me tomó de la mano como de 10 años y me preguntó ¿y no hay nadie quien les pase un vaso de agua? Estábamos frente a una imagen de unos niños desplazados y lo que había era ejército. Siempre llega ese ejército con armas. Entonces, es la obligación del Estado llegar con otras soluciones. Y no hace falta suscribir más acuerdos para eso. Muchas gracias, María Belén. Eh, Chucho, te quería ya preguntar un poco sobre tu propia historia de vida. Eh, tu familia también es víctima del conflicto armado de Antioquia y cómo esto te marcó la vida, cómo te ha ayudado en tu camino con las comunidades, ese acompañamiento permanente que tienes con ellos y ellas. Si nos puedes compartir un poco de, de toda esa experiencia y cómo también llevas esos rostros, voces y testimonios contigo. Bueno, primero, eh, muchas gracias por esta invitación, por estar aquí eh, para dar testimonio. To provide my account that the presentation of these four books, these four volumes of the of El Testigo where the back page are, is the history of women, women who have a memory, who have life. This is very important because I would dare to take some of these pictures because it's like telling people who are listening to us by the internet that this is not... I mean, it's ha it has an, an objective. I mean, the fact that these pictures are here has a meaning because these are Afro and indigenous populations, they are the first victims of all this violence that for so many decades our country has suffered, that obviously has had a negative impact in our lives. And when I, when I am asked and I have to search my memory, what I have to say, I mean, I was born in 1967, and seven years before I was born, My granddad and an uncle of mine was uh, were killed, and my granddaughter, uh, my my grandmother was, uh, I mean, she passed, and these are the consequences of the war, and what war leads to that is is not actually measured as a consequence of the conflict. There was no FARC, no ELN, but there was a, this bipartisan reality that we had at the at the. At the uh, by the, uh, the 1960s, during the 1960s, that launched, that took peasants to the cities, and that's how my family came to the city of Medellin, and they were peasants, and my parents and my uncles were victims. They never saw, uh, saw hatred, but that that's that's the nature of our people, and we have to think with hope. We have to think that this is this should not happen again. And for this reason, I am the, the youngest uh, 
child of a family where, I'm, where we have five sisters. I am the man and I'm also the youngest. But violence does not only affect one generation, it affects two or maybe even three generations. And I ended up studying journalism and since I started my my, my studies as a, for to become a journalist, I was very scared back in 1987 when many people were killed in the same university where I was studying. Human rights advocates, uh, physicians, lawyers, journalists, they were killed in Colombia, but at my university, Universidad de Antioquia, saw, how, uh, saw 17 students who were related to the defense of human rights, that we saw how they were killed. And I was scared of writing. And let's, let's put it that way. I mean, let's put it this way. As while I studied, I met in the same university, I met, for example, Carlos Pizarro, Leon Gomez. They had just signed the peace agreement in 1990. They also killed Bernardo Jaramillo, and I knew them. I knew these guys at the university, just as we are here now in an auditorium, and I took pictures of them, and one month afterwards, they were killed. And as a student who wants to provide your energy, your knowledge to the country, the way I found to do this was through the memory, and through memory against a our capacity to, for, to forget. So when I started to walk around Colombia, I found this beauty of the territory that Colombia is. Because we, we, I mean, we have everything. We have snow peaks. We have jungles, forests, rivers. There are 65 languages that are spoken. Some of them are. Um, jeopardized, but Colombia remains a classist uh, country where peasants are stripped from their, of, their, from their, of their lands. And for that reason, I would like to present, I wanted to present all these images that I wanted to share with you from the broken mirror to say, well, this is what we have to stop. So that the next generations can understand that the signing of the peace agreement with the FARC guerrilla, which is the largest group that committed so many atrocities in Colombia, as well as all the other armed groups, paramilitaries, guerrilla groups, even the army itself. But sometimes we don't have, let's say, we don't have ice for this. So I wanted, I, I would like Mateo my friend in the master room, maybe he could uh, display some of, the, of, of these images so that, that we can start and say These images that speak about the broken mirror, they, we normally we only see those who make noises with weapons, but behind the weapons which is what Maria Belen was saying, and that's what we have here in the books. We have the fragments, the pieces of that broken mirror of the Colombian War. There is the lives, there are the many lives of men and women who have been silenced. 
and we have to present it as a book. We wanted to present it as a book with the contribution of the Universidad Nacional de Colombia, which is the very same university where my dad, when he was a peasant, found a job. And thanks to him and my mother, I named them because it's my way to honor the lives of two peasants who taught me to see a country with love, a country that was frag uh, uh, fragmented with all the different violences, but all these violences have come from the political class, from the ruling class, from the ruling elite of Colombia, that for so many years have looted the resources, they have stolen the national budget, and the need is that everyone in a country that is uh, dominated by uh, Catholicism, everyone needs to understand that the money cannot be stolen, you can, thou shalt not kill, because the bad decisions that they make, and when I say bad, is because when they steal the budget of a country, they, I mean, everyone loses, the black communities, indigenous communities, and not only because they lose their lives, but they also recruited, they're also recruited into all these different uh, militias. And by looking at these pictures, when I see the face of a woman as Matilde Sanchez or the son of Guadel Padilla, black people, indigenous people, the faces of our peasants. And I say, when is this going to stop? So we thought about this work with the Universidad Nacional edited with the support of Maria Belén Saldivarra and from a team that, was, uh, that came together to give a name and a, and a face to all these victims to understand who are the ones who were stripped of their lives, how, why or how they take their chickens, their animals, their dogs. In so many places of Colombia, and we have to name them because they cannot remain just a figure. And if I present them in a book, we have 90 or 95% of the victims. We named every single one of them. And if I can know that the girl who's carrying a chicken, a hen, if, if I can know that her name is Lorena, and Lorena is with her mother, Carmen Tulia, who were displaced by criminal action in this case from uh, the paramilitaries, and I see the faces of the beauty of the Nukakmaku, the Nasa, all these indigenous communities, all the all these girls such as Nuaira who have to flee because of the war, but cannot even take their pigs, their dogs, they cannot flee with them and I see them crossing rivers and we have that stoic face or that even beautiful faces of a country that has been shaken where we have to solve these conflicts and when I say to solve the conflict I refer, I'm referring to the, to the armed conflict because a conflict can help a country when it's conducted through peace, but not through the weapons, which is what I have found in so many places of Colombia. And that is the reason why I'm showing all these images here to tell you that all these portraits speak volumes of this wealth, 
the wealth of our country, but I cannot, I don't want to see our people fleeing any longer, being victims of the kidnap of kidnapping by either one group or the other, being killed, their schools destroyed, and the armed groups as an expression of this country that has a faith, but a faith where killing people ends up being a, a, a nonsense. And I even denounced the, the, the Colombian church because they seem to be divided when it comes to working for peace. And I see this in the chest of the fighters. I see the weapons and I see the religious symbols. And for this reason, it is so important to develop this project to say we have to say enough enough of all this looting to the natural resources not only it is important I mean our lives are not only are not the only things that are important the lives of our peasants are also important many of the portraits many of the of the pictures you have seen many of them are in our books and we tell stories to say that this land that is so rich in the picture in these pictures well we have done this exercise we have uh, discussed this topic a little bit he says that I exaggerated a little bit but it's explaining the war is very simple showing the uniforms the, their weapons the soldiers I believe that the conflict can have many explanations, especially we know that it is an economic system, it is a political system, needless to say. However, there are also other explanations that go beyond the reasonable, the, uh, I mean, these things, such as the parades, the weapons generate this kind of attraction that uh, motivates this desire toward this love towards this attraction towards the confrontation and uniforms and militias. So we did this exercise that when, whenever there were military officers or armed illegal armed country uh, groups. If they had to be shown against the victim and they were shown as victims themselves. Many kids who were victims of forced uh, recruitment. Uh, international uh, law considers this a uh, crime. I mean, a, a kid who is 16 and gets uh, recruited or drafted uh, that, that, that's just horrible and that is what we show here men in arms and I think what Maria Belen just said is very important I've showed some images with religious symbols that are not in the books because 
I think that less than 1% of the photographs have armed groups in them. This was an editorial decision that we made because of more than 700 images that are in the four volumes of the book. They are really dedicated. This is to honor the memory of the victims, the people who are missing, but also of people who resist within their territories. And when Maria Belen says that there are some people armed in these photos, it's very few of them. And they are really showed as victims of the same war. They are children, they are sons and daughters of people from rural areas who have lost a lot. And I would like to do, make a reflection right now. The story that I'm going to tell you, which that the book is to say that the territory that I've walked through in Colombia, this has been the territory that has received the most violence. The region that has received the most violence is Uruguay. So I would like to show the mountainous zone of this area with San Jose de Apartado is a victim for many years of from all the different armed actors but especially victim to the paramilitary groups and the Colombian military who many times al allied with the institutions of the country the paramilitaries did to remove these peasants from different parts of the territory and what we are seeing is the ocean we're seeing the Gulf, how close the Gulf is. We're seeing where people are fleeing by the thousands. Thousands of people are being displaced who are trying to get to Central America to get to the United States. And I would like to show you some images from a community, Paz de San Jose de Apartado. These are images from 1997 where the campesinos or the peasants who grow cacao and avocado had to, in the middle of the advancing of the military in their territory, they had to cultivate their cacao accompanied by the Red Cross. In 2005, I had to accompany the community because the paramilitaries the brigade number 17 committed a massacre and they killed eight people. Three of them were under 11 years old. There were three boys and one girl that were killed. And to accompany this community that I had known since 96 or 97, this helped me understand that these men and women had created a peace community to say no to the guerrilla groups and their recruitment, no to the paramilitary groups who tried to remove them from the land to turn that land over to investors in the banana industry and the livestock industry or to corrupt politicians who have always had interest in that territory. And these photographs, they don't just talk about, they don't just show the beauty of this beautiful territory that is rich in water and wildlife. The only thing they've wanted is to live in peace. And after this massacre, these are not isolated photos, they're all inside the books. 
and I would like to present them very quickly so that you can understand what has happened in this community and tell the story of a girl that's called Camila and Luisa who's in the tree their families had to flee after this massacre a few years later a captain of the military who participated in the crimes of Brigade Number no. 17 with a paramilitary group at the service of a narco paramilitary actor these images become testimony of the pain and the humiliation that they've experienced in this community of the people who have to flee who build walls with the names of the victims in order to not forget them and the loneliness that a lot of these communities have to bury their loved ones in 12 years later in 2017 years after the massacre in the mountains of Cordoba during the peace process I found the the group uh, 508 laying down their arms this is where I accompanied the process and I found a young girl who's carrying a weapon on the left side and she this is Camila Camila had a story that was linked to that community San Jose de Apartado and Camila in her uniform she had a news article and this news clip spoke of the death of her father of her siblings of her family her younger siblings were 20 months old and five years old when they were killed what you are seeing right now on the screen this is the story this is in the books and she had a memory of the day when her younger brother Santiago was baptized and at the end of 2006 she joined the guerrilla groups this is 20 months after her family was assassinated 20 months later she went to the mountain because she wanted um, she wanted revenge when she showed me her photos and I found her she came back to Medellin and I f and I looked through my archives and I discovered that that girl who was wearing the uniform in my photo had been profiled 12 years ago in 2005 and she was planting a cross where her her parent her father and her older siblings are buried and Camila's in the middle of this photo and I understood why a lot of people take up arms and why a lot of people become victimizers these are the sons and daughters of the violence and so the reflection that I want us all to make is the following I went back I went back where people were coming out to lay their arms down to lay their weapons down and I passed through the hydroelectric dam and Camila is the second person in line in this photo the second person but in front of Camila there's a man who's they call JJ or Jota Jota 
and he's carrying a gun that has the peace flag on it. And JJ, or Jota Jota, I had seen him with a guitar, but he was also carrying a gun that is produced here in the United States. This is a Barrett .50, and these are guns that are produced here in this country, and they end up in all different parts of Latin America. Because sometimes they get to insurgent groups, paramilitary groups, criminal groups linked to drug trafficking. And so I understand that war is a business. War is a business that harms some people, that kills young boys and girls in their schools, and it kills them in the streets. But in our countries, it kills people in the rural areas. And until when are weapons going to continue to be what sustains politicians who receive the benefits from associations who take resources? Because we can't accept that. When I see this man with this gun, a Barrett point fifty and many other weapons that are produced in different parts of the world, but behind Camila and JJ, there's also a young person, a young person who just had a baby, who just gave birth, Stefania. She has a baby in her arms, whose name is Manuel. And they want to bet on peace. They believe in peace. And peace is like a baby that's just been born. And of course, peace has enemies. In many places, within Colombia, Maria Belen was just saying this, there are people who want to destroy peace and peace is like a baby what does a baby need what does a country that's building peace need it needs a lot of education health it needs food but above all else it needs love i'm sure that in our country there are many people who are working with from love and working with love to change things to not give our sons and daughters our children hate and revenge camila in that encampment where they're laying their arms down, she is teaching her daughter Nicole to walk. I told Camila, Camila, please, you have to take pictures of your daughter now that you are putting your arms down. Because Camila told me, I want to live in peace. I want to have a little bit of land. I want to have, I don't want a large plantation. I want a small farm where I have my hens my cows I want to cultivate and months after this process Camila sent me a video from the mountains of Uroba and I want you to see this video right now
I went to look for Camila after seeing this video. Morocho had just been born and I told her I'm going to go visit you because your daughter is growing up and you deserve to live in peace. So when I got to those mountains where they had a little piece of land which doesn't belong to her, it belongs to her stepfather, her partner also signed the peace accords and his name is Neymar, like the soccer player. So I went to get to know the life of a woman who had never, never should have taken up arms, who never should have lost her parents, but who deserves to give love to her daughter. I saw her. I saw her picking cacao, which could be exported to the United States. And it could sweeten up your breakfast with a chocolate. It could turn into a little piece of chocolate. The life of campesinos and rural workers is so beautiful when they can live in peace. People who fled their rural communities understand the importance of producing food. Camila's story, as I've said, is in the books. Months later, or a year later, in 2019, I went to see Camila graduate. And here she is with a lot of other people who signed the peace accords in San Jose de Apartado, receiving her diploma for elementary school that she receives with her friend Luis Fernando. And there she is with her daughter who's growing up, who I continue to watch grow up, and not just to cultivate cacao, also corn, which is a beautiful product from our beloved America. On May 13th, Mukocharif turned six years old. I didn't take this photo. Another woman took it and she sent it to me from the top of one of the mountains in the Sierra de Avive to tell me that life is going on, life continues. If you want to know what happened to the mother of the child, Stefania and her baby Emmanuel, I also went to find them. And I saw that Emmanuel was growing up and he has a younger daughter named Sophia. And if you want to know what's happened with the man who had the Barrett .50, who was also carrying a guitar together with his gun, I want to present him to you. A man who is cultivating plantains, he's trying to build a project with his family and with other signatories of the peace accords. And they have a stand to also sell tilapia fish. So I'd like to show you the image, a photo that I took um, before the peace accords. I want to show you these because she had two children before joining the guerrilla movement, but when the peace accords were signed, I would like to show you the composer.
JJ and Jorlis. With this man, with this composer, what I would like to tell you is that one year after I did this, uh, there was another baby on the way, JJ. His name is Archimedes Alvarez, and with Archimedes, they had a baby, and it, it's such a paradox for this auditorium. The kid that uh, JJ is carrying, there's another baby there, but the, the baby boy that JJ is carrying is called John Kennedy Alvarez. And his little uh, sister is called Paula Andrea. At the end, and when I say at the end of this presentation, this exhibit to speak about the books, this image that has about four years uh, in the presidential palace of Colombia that is part of the exhibit of uh, Maria Belén, the, who is the curator, the curator of the exhibit and the head of this project. This picture doesn't have to do with guerrilla fighters, with the militaries, with anyone. We don't want any more people that, I mean, what we want to do is to generate a reflection in, not only in Colombia, but also in spaces like this one, where we may support and we should always support the peace projects of a country that is tired, exhausted. De que siempre that we are always the ones uh, on the losing side, on the loser side. So we have to bet on peace, the peace so that we can, so that all these people from all the regions of Colombia may have a future. I am a journalist, I am a human rights champion and my service has to be geared, my work has to be geared towards our people.
not any political, economic, or military elite. And I believe that the dream of building this peace is very urgent and we want everyone who is here and everyone who is listening to us may turn into allies. Thank you, Chucho. This, all these stories are very meaningful. Camila's story, all the stories, and this is a message, and this is a, a, a um, this it speaks volumes of the, the resilience of all these groups. So, what are the final reflections of this resistance, this resilience for the Colombian people, and this hope for peace? Well, I feel that we have to look ahead. That's the reason why we have to look violence in the eye. We have to try to overcome violence. Resilience from the victims is a fact, but I believe that we shall not get very comfortable with this idea. We have to do something. We have to give them the possibility to access to the land. In other words, we have to give them land. We have to create, we have to come up with newer ways of property ownership of the land. So we have to reinvent I mean, a, a, all this system of for quick reparations. We have to provide them with the opportunity so that they can actually have a place in our society. We can no longer just do nothing. I, I believe this would be unacceptable. We have to move forward towards giving, giving these people who are living in these such rich territories, we have to provide them with more, much more than just the possibility of joining a militia an armed group or the slavery that they are subject through the violence, through the mafias. And this requires this demands something different from just doing nothing. It demands, it requires the courage to take on the responsibility of including them. Yes, I know there are several people who uh, are wandering through the internet, who are wondering how can we get these books, uh, you, maybe you don't know yet, from October the 20th, next Thursday, when the exhibit El Testigo will turn four years next to the office, next to the presidential palace of Colombia, we 
created a web page is called El Testigo Colección and people there they will be able to purchase these four volumes and this has to these books have to be a tool so that they can reach many places schools universities there was the um, the the report of the commission of the truth was published it is very important for the, for the country to to know this to read this but with this project that is done with the Universidad Nacional where the Norwegian embassy also participated we also received support I mean we summoned a group of entrepreneurs the Sura group to help us with the publishing we also received help from uh, um, someone who lives Mr. Carlos Alcesio Paz Bautista from the city of Cali he supported this initiative as well and with the with the Universidad Nacional this project has to reach the classrooms this has to become a tool so that people that in Colombia or here are the decision makers in terms of budgets in terms of the support given to the construction of peace these books have to have to be included in, in these discussions and you were saying you were asking me about what can we do about this and I would say that we have to look at each other we have to look at ourselves in this broken mirror of the Colombian uh, conflict in these pictures when I was saying 90 or 95 percent of the pictures that are displayed displayed in these books they have the names of the victims because I cannot speak about, I can't stand people who, spe who speak about statistics, about millions of people who were kidnapped, thousands who were killed, people who never got back. And we have to work towards, and working towards peace means that the, those who signed the agreement, I mean the last peace agreement that was signed in, signed in Colombia with the FARC guerrillas, we have to ask them where are those who were kidnapped? but the Colombian army also has to say where they are a first cousin of mine uh, went missing he disappeared he was not a guerrilla fighter he was just a, 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 a worker and I mean we all demand things from the guerrilla but we are not demanding things from the army and uh, so in some cases it's like we turn uh, I mean, it's like we don't pay attention to what the army does and we only focus on what the guerrilla does. And there are many people who are uh, related to all these criminal enterprises who took part in the robbery of this land. The land has always been one of the main characters of violence in the country and our peasants, just as when I sh uh, showed Camila, I remember my 80-year-old dad cultivating yucca or lemons or oranges, doing this with love. And in Colombia, everyone needs to live in peace. But there are people who have always been 
the ones who are displaced. So voting for peace, building or coming up with a, a national agreement. When we s speak today, when they say that we have to involve every armed group to, ar to generate a bigger peace, a larger peace that would be the umbrella of a new country to respect human rights, but especially to respect the lives of those who have been uh, excluded. So we need the alliance of so many people. Some of them are here today and have been with us throughout all these years. And I would like to uh, name all of them. And I know some of them are from Colombia, others work for human rights organizations from the United States, but I would like to tell you, you can, you have the power to influence with your members of the Congress, with the people from the State Department. Arms only leave pain in their wake. And we have to build a country of opportunities, of equity, and we have to strengthen our justice system that needs to change. And when I say change, I mean to say that it has to be a justice that is equal for everyone. In fulfillment of the Constitution and the different and the many laws that we have in Colombia, because if the law only, if the law does not serve everyone, and only, uh, only I mean, they are, and some people just are awarded, and those who are the sons of peasants, they are uh, sentenced to many years in jail, so, and that's not fair. So we have to strengthen justice. We have to provide education and the opportunities to this country so that everyone can walk together towards peace. That's right, Chucho, and thank you very much for your Comment. I would like to invite my colleagues Miriam and Carla to this uh, to this segment of the questions from the audience. If you have any question, please you can state your name and uh, make your questions. Tu nombre y tu pregunta, por favor. Muchas gracias. Thank you. I am Angelo Cardona. I am a representative for Latin America, for the International Office for the Peace. I would like to thank you. Uh, I felt like my heart was um, breaking by, by your account. Look, but if we look at the future of what we are discussing, what do you think of the total peace plan? How could it be implemented? How can we support it from here, those of us who are here? How can we support this initiative of President uh, Petro? Are you referring to a total peace? Is that what you said? Well, it is important to continue respecting the agreements as the government is doing. And part of implementation of these agreements 
needs to uh, is about providing these communities with guarantees of that these kind of things will not happen again this is key Professor Gutierrez from the Universidad Nacional said, uh, I mean, it's, it's right when he says that a third period of violence can be uh, very close to Colombia and because there are other actors who are generating violence and this is a responsibility of all the force of the state and the government, of course. We have to, they have to take on this challenge to uh, use all its uh, means to attack violence. Peace is the most valuable asset of any given society and that is the ultimate goal of a state and it is the goal of everyone. That's our life, that's our project, that's our human project. So we do not need to consult anyone to implement policies and strategies formulas and negotiations in order to prevent this violence. This is an obligation of the Colombian state. So I think that's what President Petro is proposing and and the members of the Senate under the leadership of uh, Sen Senator Ivan Cepeda. It is the same thing as what was uh, done with the previous peace agreement with the FARC but perhaps in a clearer way maybe we have to address the humanitarian crisis well we have to address the humanitarian crisis and we have to avoid and we have to prevent this population to continue being used as the focus of the war and the ceasefire is not a weakness and we ha we can't have a ceasefire we can have a truce without having uh, signed anything in the Congress. That's my understanding, and in that regard, I feel it is important so to support this. We have to support anyone who works works for peace, and the massive procurement of lands that they are proposing this is a this is going to be beneficial for everyone so if we have something that we can provide that we can i mean we will do so because we have to build a project where these people will have access to to the land without being slaves and without being affected by war or violence or somebody else's interests so this is a huge challenge and I feel that the time is of the essence and solutions have to be found very fast. I mean these people have been waiting for so long for these restitutions and I think we have to implement this immediately and it is better to be wrong when we offer justice than being wrong without even trying. So I don't believe there are easy solutions or safe solutions, but as a society we have to commit ourselves, as I said before,
to uh, providing uh, reparations and to stop all these attacks on these lives. Can you please tell me your name again, Angelo? Angelo. I would like to elaborate on what Maria Belen is saying. I am going to use the example of a Bojaya. This is a territory that at the end of the 1980s saw many confrontations, clashes between the black and indigenous communities. They were, they, they lost a lot. And think about this. There is a book of violence in Colombia that was published in 1962 that speaks about what happened in the 1950s. So there was a commission similar to the Commission of the Truth that was led in Colombia by three people, Orlando Falx Borda. There was a bishop, Monsignor Usman Campos, and a lawyer, Eduardo Maña. And in that document, in the, in the second volume that was published in 1964, they spoke about how several towns of that region were born in 1952, born in January 1952, Mojaya, Bevara, Naurita. Fifty years afterwards, in 2002, they saw they uh, had to suffer this ordeal again by the FARC. They they destroyed the church of the town. Pero también porque eh, había un and there was a combat with the paramilitary forces and the state that was aware of the things that could happen because there were calls for help days before days before uh, this happened from the church, from the United Nations, from the office of the ombudsperson. They alerted this and these were went unheard. And in the church on May the 2nd, 2002, 79 civilians were killed. Most of them, 47 of them, were children. So I documented this in the books. There is the, the story because I was the first photo photographer and journalist who got there with the church, with the misioneros. If I tell you What's happening today in Bojaya, where a leader such as Leder Palacios is from, who was a member of the Commission of the Truth, after the signing of the peace agreement and the guerrilla, the far guerrilla, turned their weapons, this territory was occupied in the mountains. The guerrillas of the ELN and also new paramilitary groups called AGC also known as Autodefensas Gaitanistas de Colombia. So what do I mean to say with this, Angelo? I understand what the, what they want to do with this, with the new government. We have to look, f we have to uh, negotiate with everyone because if I negotiate just with the, EL, with the ELN guerrilla and then the guerrilla leaves, then the AGCs will cover, will take everything, or maybe another group. So we have to 
involve them all so that we can have a contract, let's put it that way, so that all those illegal groups may uh, just drop their weapons, but also the Colombian state not only shall recover the control of the weapons, but shall be present not as an army only, but may be able to provide well-being to these communities, possibilities for development to uh, to take all these other products because you, you know they have pineapple they produce many different fruits lemons oranges apples but also because they are peace builders in the picture that you are seeing right now there is a man who fled Bojaya in May with his family his name is Eugenio he fled with his wife, Felipa. This picture was taken on September the 2nd, 2002. 17 years afterwards, I went, to, uh, I went there to look for Eugenio and I found him. I found him when they were commemorating 17 years of the Bujaga tragedy. And I find him I find him with his beard, with gray hairs in his beard, and with a baby in his arms. And so I say to Eugenio, is this magical realism from Colombia? You're getting older and your daughter didn't grow up. And he says to me, aha, chucho, no, this is my granddaughter. This is my granddaughter. This is the daughter of Sandra Patricia the girl that he was carrying in his arms 17 years earlier. The next day, when I went to look for Eugenio again, I took a photo of him with Sandra Patricia and the daughter in their arms and with the granddaughter. The life of our communities goes on. And people always dream of peace. That was what these people taught me since I, they were very young. So when I continue to travel through the country, I'm not looking to profile another tragedy. My dream would be to go back and see the people who were trampled by violence, including political violence, and see them just like Eugenio in another life project because the war really has ended. Thank you, Chuchio and Maria Belen. Other questions? Yes, right here in the black shirt. Hello, thank you. Uh, thank you for this incredible work, this encyclopedic work. I wanted to ask you, Chucho, I'm sorry, my name is Jose Luis Sanz from El Faro. I wanted to ask you, what's missing from the way that Colombian media and international media have talked about the war and have talked about the peace process? Sorry, what's missing? Yes. What do you think is missing from it? When you look at Colombian territory and you see the international media talking about Colombia and about the peace process, what do you think is missing from it? 
Thank you very much, my colleague, because I know the work of El Faro, and I am in solidarity with you all from the bottom of my heart because you have suffered persecution, accusations uh, from the Bukele government. And I encourage you to keep going because journalism, in its essence, is the search for truth. The, to be close to the people. This question that you're asking me, I think that we need to be a lot closer to the truth, to the truth of the victims. We have to be much closer to that strength and that dignity that they have. Look, when a lot of massacres have happened in Colombia, the people know where the tragedy comes from and sometimes they can signal and name who is responsible but the people will also say behind those people there are interests of people in power people with political and economic power in the region and they'll tell you and they'll tell you very fast but sometimes justice takes many many years even decades to past sentences and many times when people who are telling the truth the mothers and fathers who have suffered who have suffered forced disappearance and murder or being evicted from their lands a lot of the time they die waiting for justice sometimes justice happens very fast when there are when there's political and economic power behind it but when it's humble poor people who are asking for justice it takes a long time we honor i honor and maria belen and i honor i think in the books and the prologues that maria belen does she says we honor the journalists the men and women the brave men and women in colombia because they exist and there are many of them and sometimes they're in these regions and on the periphery of Colombia and these are the people who are making history and telling stories and follow up on those stories when justice takes a long time giving face and name and I have a lot of people to thank for doing this work. Journalists have contributed so much to memory and I have to honor that memory. Not only the people who have educated me and trained me, but people who have given me testimony, people who have given me visual testimony or they have narrated their stories. That is the voice that's in each one of these books. This pluri-ethnic and multicultural country, sometimes it's invisible to many people because a lot of people believe themselves to be European descendants. And really, we are a magnificent mix of many different cultures. And we should feel proud. We should feel proud of being the descendants of indigenous peoples, of black people 
and some people who came to our territory, some people um, pillaged, but others knew how to honor life. So that's what journalism should do, walk alongside the people. One more question. Thank you very much for your time, for sharing this work with us. I'm Colombian and I'm doing a, a master's degree here in conflict resolution and peace. And something that impacted me is that you, Colombia is a very racist country and most of the victims, the first victims of the conflict in Colombia are the indigenous and Afro-Colombian communities. And this is something that's not talked about a lot in Bogota. So in your experience, your experience has helped bringing to light this racism to the people who are the most privileged and the most European people in the country. Well, I think there was a process of desegregation, right? Of course, these are racialized communities because the concept of race can be very debated right now. But they are oppressed peoples. And they are oppressed precisely because there is a structure, a structure that wants to manage different parts of the territory and wants to restrict these populations. These are operations of displacement and dispossession. So to dispossess first, you have to segregate. And that's where the racialization comes in. And that's exactly why we have to identify ourselves and pay homage to these people who we have allowed to be excluded from the social project. And this is not just Colombian, this is the entire planet. We've seen images of people crossing the border between Venezuela and Colombia with babies and children who are walking naked and without shoes. Passing through all different climate zones, coldest climates and the hottest climates. And they get to Darian uh, Forest. I don't know if you've seen the images in recent days that are very painful. These are biblical images even. And it's the same in the Mediterra uh, Mediterranean and Africa, the whole planet. This is a racialization, a process of racialization, oppression against these populations. You know, we can be sitting here talking about these issues, but maybe what we're missing or what we're not doing is looking at these people in their eyes and knowing that this could be your child, your son or your daughter. 
This is what's going on in the world. What else can we do? We start with young people in every community and commit ourselves to that work. We have to go to the rural areas and we have to talk to the people there. As a friend told me once, an indigenous friend, he said, we're not that poor and we're not that far away either. Okay, my language is always to unite image and the word, the photographs that I've taken over many years. To tell you that this work from since starting next Thursday, the 20th, you can get the collection of testimonies on that page. So you can go to many parts of the country, it can go to many parts of the country and hopefully the world and help people reflect. Because how many times have I accompanied these brave people in a country that has experienced so much destruction? And I want to talk about a photograph taken in Granada in December of 2000, where there were people from the communities, but also human rights leaders. And we went together to be in solidarity with a people, with a community that had been the victim of paramilitary action, but also the FARC. And people were marching in the midst of destruction. I'm never going to be able to forget this couple that in the middle of so much destruction got married right there in the very community where the flag of peace territory is hanging there's you know you see the white wedding dress a woman getting married Meanwhile, people were searching for the dead. And you can see a sign on the side that says, everyone loses from war. We all lose the war. Let's help each other to build a peace process. In that town, Granada, I went a few months later because they organized a march. Men, women, boys and girls, they had bricks on their shoulders, they carried bricks on their shoulders to build, to rebuild their town. Each person, every person, to me this was an invitation for all of us to lay a brick down. And this is something that we're each doing from different spaces within academia, with development agencies, people from different universities, and this tour that we're going to do from Washington to Boston to New York with people from within academia, academia from with leaders, with human rights defenders, and a lot of people who have had to flee Colombia uh, to, s to find a better life. If we all work together like we did to make these books, 
we can surely build a large house and a large peace where we can all be united. This is the dream of building peace. I would like to close with two photographs because the woman who got married in the midst of tragedy, Beatriz Garcia and Oscar Higaldo, as time went on, I saw their two children grow up. I saw the people of their community march for peace, and I saw people return to their land. And to show you all again something from a few years later, the couple understood that love is more powerful than any war. When I see Beatriz and Oscar, when I see Vanessa and Santiago living on a small piece of land, I told them, I want to take a picture with everything that you have. So they posed with a cow and they said, Bolita, come here. And so you can see the cow in this photo. There were two geese that chased me more than the dogs did, and they also had names, Evelio and Emelda, three dogs, Escobido, Coqui, and Lupe. And there was also a hen who didn't have a name, and they said, since he doesn't have a name, we're going to call we're going to call him Chucho, like you. And I laughed. But I understood that when a campesino has little has very little, they give a name to everything. I'm going to know what the milk tastes like from a cow that has a name, Bolita. And so I would like to pay homage to the men and women from many different parts of Colombia, from different territories within the country, who during the pandemic and after experiencing the war, if they can live in peace, they do it and they do it with love. So that each, one, each lettuce or potato or carrot or egg or milk comes, reaches our tables. This is what it means to be able to live in peace. If campesinos, if men and women can live in peace, those of us who live in cities, we could do it as well. But for that to happen, we need decent policies and we need honest government officials and humane government officials, not people who come to power to pillage our territory. Thank you, Chucho and Maria Belen, for your reflections. I congratulate you for this impressive and honest and beautiful, difficult work. Thank you to the public who's here with us today, to our virtual audience, to our entire team, to our, co our collaborators, WOLA and Atlantic Council. I would like to invite Jimena Sanchez from WOLA to give a few words of closing before we go to the reception. It's Yes, it's going to be a reception. First of all, I would like to thank Chucho, Maria Belen, Atlantic Council and everyone 
who have made this event possible. The book is not just a book and with pictures, but a connection to many things that cannot be put into words. We can see the true essence. We see the victims in the center. We see the diversity, the social, social economic, uh, gender, even the generational diversity of Colombia. Uh, I congratulate you because you are one of the first, one of the most consistent artists that has made this uh, reality uh, visible of these people. This book is also a memory for the victims because many people say that when they suffer these traumas they don't remember everything and they don't have anything that they can touch and this is very important so that we can so that they can not only survive this situation but also to uh, find um, some sort of closure if you like so this is a homage to the resistance against war and artistically speaking it shows war it shows violence and the beauty the visual beauty in the worst moments and in everyday life it is a work of humanity and I would like to congratulate you despite everything and of course the dignity it puts it, it puts the dignity of everyone above thank you for risking your life your life for so many years to focus on this and for the way in which you have created relations with the subjects and showing their trajectories the consequences the resistance the wrongs, the rights, and the new opportunities that peace may open. Your activism against violence and about the beauty of life is something that is just amazing. Once again, thank you, Maria Belen, for editing this work so that many people can be touched with this. This is a very good moment. The State Department, Anthony Blinken, was in Colombia last week he ratified the support of the United States to the peace agreement with the FARC and he also announced that the United States is the first guarantor of the peace agreement which is something that we hope that many countries will follow this is just a reflection for everyone in light of all these wars and how we are connected from here with this in political and economic terms and what can we do in order to build something very different. The San Jose massacre, and I mention it because it was a massacre that was very galvanizing here in, in, in the United States that led to a lot of lobbying, a lot of pressure and to change the balance of the support given by the United States. Less military support and more economic support. So these images help us a lot in this regard. So it is important that Colombia it becomes a reference so that the rest of the world may see that it is possible that if we change the mindset towards peace and many conflicts of the world, we may see this. So once again, thank you everyone. Thanks to the audience. And I would like to invite everyone to the reception that I think is that way. Thank you. Well, 
I always ask for 30 extra seconds or 60 seconds when I see this picture of the bricks and I understand many people many people contributed to this to those who were part of this project I would like to thank them I am not mentioning one of them eh, but all of them thanks to all of them and our our, our families for having given having provided emotional support for giving given us the strength to continue walking because it is necessary it is important to keep the hope alive we need lots of love and I will, I will also like to, to tell my friends in Colombia because here Maria Belen even my friend Jimena we are members of a group in Colombia that's called let's defend peace and I know that some of them are connected from Colombia and I would like to send them a big hug because when I think of let's defend peace this picture of the bricks somehow symbolizes the fact that they are members of the family to build this country that we uh, that needs this coming together so much thank you so much Maria Belen thank you for being here and thank you for having uh, trusted in this work thank you for using your talents and thank you for all the days and nights to make this possible Gracias. thank you for listening to this event if you'd like to listen to more events or explore our other podcasts visit usip.org forward slash podcasts Thank you.